Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Indeed, the war is raging. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the war that began in the beginning and the great battle that was fought on Calvary's Hill. We thank you, Jesus, that you were victorious that day as you came forth with the keys, defeated death, and brought forth the keys of life and freedom for us, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that the words that you spoke that day were remarkable, incredible, and Even as we examine them today, I'm sure, Lord God, without your Holy Spirit, we cannot get to the depth of any of it. So we pray for divine inspiration, anointing, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that you give our listeners a a desire to know, uh, to know what you have for us today, to understand the instruction that even though we're on the precipice of basically uh, what we would call human annihilation, and the return, your second coming, your return, we, we are on that precipice and look back. We look back to the cross. We look back to the, the place where this was established and settled for our salvation. And we thank you, Jesus, that we are not victims. We are victorious. So I pray today that you encourage each one as we uh, prayerfully and uh, intentionally examine these words that you spoke to us as you were dying on the cross. Father, we ask these things and for divine protection for all of us as it's very urgently needed in your precious name in every place, in every way. Amen. Hey, good morning, honey. Hey, good morning, good morning. What is the title today? Uh, The Dying Words of Jesus and Did They Make Any Difference? Did They Make Any Difference? So we're looking at the, you know, we were looking at the seven uh, sayings. Last sayings, yeah. Last sayings of Jesus on the cross. And uh, we'll we'll be blessed if we get through maybe three of them today. The idea mm-hmm. is not to get through all seven mm-hmm. today. We can continue that another time. But uh, the first one is found in in Luke chapter twenty three, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're looking there at the uh, J- Jesus' first word mm-hmm. uh, on the cross, and uh, so Luke twenty three. And verses 33 and 34. Now, we, 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 let's jump up to um, verse 32. There are also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, which means the place of the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do, and they divided his garments and cast lots. So we want to focus right now on, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And and really, this passage just kind of provides the setting for the next one that we'll talk about as well. So anyway, uh, forgiveness, mm-hmm. um, you know, forgiveness sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. And it's easy yeah. to preach, but not so easy to do sometimes. Oh because goodness. what do we do with, say, someone makes a promise to us and they keep breaking their promise? Do we keep forgiving them? Uh, how how about people that um, constantly hurt us that do not ask for our forgiveness? Uh, do we forgive them? How do we do that? And so it's all the how do we's. And I know uh-huh. you don't like the how do we's, but... Um, <laughs> why should we be the one to forgive when they're the ones that really need to be asking us for forgiveness? And then what about people that are really, you know, under the counsel of Satan are out to destroy us? Yeah. So, so well, the whole setting of forgiveness is sees a, a very important um, statement here. Uh, through Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, I think it's urgent and immediate. And the fact is that he is teaching us how to die here. He's teaching us how to die. He's going through the actual, his own personal death 
This is not a, a myth. It's not a mockery. It's not a staged event. It is a true living drama. And the first thing that he he brings to the attention is the many things that he had just immediately suffered with the betrayal, the the the, the disciples scattering and fleeing, not standing with him, the abandonment. So we got betrayal, we've got abandonment, we've got mockery, we've got you know his injustice, his, injustice, his gross, enemies, gross, right, gross injustice. All the good things he did. For which of these are you stoning me? He said earlier in his ministry. Now he's saying, for which of these basically are you killing me? Although we know that Jesus knew. This was the point, the, the focal point of his life. Right. This was the we, culmination the of his culmination life. because we read that he was the Lamb mm-hmm. of God being slain Taking for away. our sins from the foundation of the world. So is the is our death, our personal death, your death, my death, is that going to be the culmination, the focal point, the final, uh, the final moment when all of our life is reduced down, uh, sifted through? Uh, revealed to be made manifest in what it really was. How will we die? How will you and I die? Um, this is a dying man who we know, he knew by, the, by his faith in the Father that he would be raised from the dead. Now this is a crazy thing because it had never been done before. A lot of things that God did, he did once and he never did them again. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. because it's never been done before obviously is the devil's main uh, argument for us not believing in a lot of things. Well, it's never been done before. It's never went like that. It's never happened like that. But, you know, the, the flood, that was only done once. The opening of the Red Sea, that was basically done once. Uh, not to say God didn't do smaller things in a similar way, but so we see that there is a, a, a really important Father, forgive them. I think I go back, Jerry, to the Our Father where he says, forgive us, you know, um, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then in, in uh, I think that's in... In Matthew and in Luke, he says, forgive us our trespasses. Mm-hmm. So sins and debts are considered of the same to God. We're indebted. Uh, there was a debt to be paid. And when Jesus said, and we'll jump ahead, just when he said it is finished, he said the debt is paid. So he was the, the debt and the sin are the same thing. So he's father, father, he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The ignorance of people. And I think in our own personal lives, we you know, we don't forgive people very easily because we attribute malice and intentional um, uh, motive to what they're doing. And we never consider that these people are most of them being controlled by demons and under the influence of witches, witchcraft, uh, spirits of Jezebel, um, you know, murder, violence, fear. Fear is a big one mm-hmm. because people are afraid that they're going to be uh, ripped off. Or somehow they're not going to survive. And so we have to overcome our fear. Love overcomes fear. Love is the only thing that can give us the ability to forgive. Well, it's, it seems like, you know, if we have the idea sometimes, and we might not say that, but if I, do, if I forgive someone, that means they're going to get by with it. Right. That, that way they're going to get by with something. And if I hold unforgiveness, somehow I keep them Accountable. I keep them accountable. Mm-hmm. I keep them in check. They're the ones they deserve what they have coming. And I'm going to be the one who makes sure they get it. Right. Well, <laughs> and, right. And but the thing is, we are not the ones. Mm-hmm. To, you know, we're not the ones to to, to judge. judge in the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, we we are the ones that um, we don't know all the facts for one thing. And uh, so and judge, ven- not because vengeance one, belongs yeah. to the Lord, not to us. Well, not only that, but we are built by God to hate injustice. And so when injustice comes floating through our lives or slamming into us, the first thing we want to do is judge it by saying, I'm mad, that's wrong. We get angry, we get provoked, and then we get tempted, actually. There's a temptation in that injustice to be offended. And we don't, we don't even realize that we're being tempted to offend, to take matters into our own hands. And Jesus is practicing what he preaches because in Luke chapter um, 6, he says, um, 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. This takes courage. Because most people are here to survive, they're here to take care of themselves. They're here to see that they are that their their needs are met, and they feel they're the only one. They're the primary one who's responsible to keep those 
keep their needs, keep their keep themselves uh, alive and intact. Um, and he says, give to everyone who asks, and from him who takes away your goods, do not take take them back. This is courageous. This is unheard of in America and in, in, in the United States, in the world. This is an absolutely an unpracticed principle. You don't see many people except the true believers doing any of this, loving, turning the other cheek, uh, uh, replacing fear with love, trusting that God will bring justice. You see them, they, they seem quite meek and docile, but actually they're very brave and courageous. So there is not a lot of forgiveness going on, really. And this this is partly why we have such... Uh, horrendous uh, disjointed relationships and, and, and alienation right. between people, between husbands and wives, between parents and children, mm-hmm. between brothers and sisters in Christ, supposedly, mm-hmm. in, in the church. Well, right, and in the name of God and in the name of religion, it's always all wars. Every battle has been over and in the name of God himself. Jesus said they will do, they will kill you. I think they're doing out of service. What do you think that's all about with ISIS and everybody else? They all got their own God. That is a demon that manifests itself to them as God, uh, whatever it is. And they begin to um, come under the command of that spirit. They they sum- surrender to even to the point of death and suicide to believe the lies and to be faithful to a lie, actually a demonic spirit that operates and disguises itself as God to them. And so a lot of what happens with a lot of us where we don't forgive is that we feel that we've been so ripped off that we yeah that we just we're just not going to do it. Yeah. We're just not going to do it because they're they're bad, we justify ourselves. We're good, yeah. Well, look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he he is forgiving. Mm-hmm. He is saying, "Father, forgive." No, he doesn't. Now Jesus has the authority himself to Forgive sin. Mm-hmm. Remember the paralytic they brought to Jesus, and they they brought him. They tore up the roof yes. and brought mm-hmm. him down in, in the crowded house. What is the first thing Jesus said to him? Son, son, your sins are forgiven you. This is the big burden the guy was carrying that was paralyzing him because he was. Uh, I believe his sin was he felt he had he had missed the boat religiously and failed to keep all the burdens burdensome commandments, and he was feeling guilty and bad. And rigid, and and the rigidity created a paralysis in his body, and a guilt struck him, and he felt, "I don't deserve to live or thrive or move." And it's interesting that Jesus, what he had the authority to forgive at this point, and, and the power, he had, and the power, he had the forgiving heart. Yet, at, at, in the place of being the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. who was taking upon himself uh, this, saving us from the sin, mm-hmm. from our sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he became time, sin for us, didn't he? He became sin for mm-hmm. us, but in that process, he deferred forgiveness to the Father. He right. was for God. Right. Jesus it's had true. the forgiving heart himself, but he said, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say, I forgive. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, he knew that his Father was the ultimate judge. Although the Father has given judgment into the hand of the Son, it's kind of a uh, you know a mutual relationship, but at this point, Jesus, as a human, had to defer the crimes committed against him at that moment to and the so, Father. And it wasn't, you know, Jesus is right in the middle of the agony of the cross. The nails are in his hands and mm-hmm. feet. He's suffering agony. Uh, he, he, you know, he is uh, just in excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. The, the, the religious leaders, the crowd, the rabble, the soldiers are mocking him, mm-hmm. attacking him, accusing him of the most vicious things. Some of you have been, that are listening today, have been accused of all kinds of things falsely, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and, it, and it really hurts. But he, he, he said, Father, forgive them. Well, commenting on what you just said, you know, um, the first attack, the first crime committed against us is the, is the actual crime whether it's the betrayal or the the loss of you know your reputation or um, the you know the accusation whatever it would be that's the first crime but the second crime is the crime you might commit against yourself by holding those people in your in bitterness and judgment and then Satan could come and judge you because he can bring back upon you the very so you get you get slammed twice from the from the right and from the left because if you don't love your enemy and do good and give the the judgment of this matter over to God, you are in, in jeopardy of the second thing that's going to come against you, which is hardness of heart, bitterness, 
unforgiveness, um, self-justification, self-righteousness, um, and and you know, or on the other side of that coin, you become completely diffused and and dis- disillusioned with your life, discouraged, depressed, and you go into another place of despair. So on either side, the only safe place is to to release the judgment, the crime. See, forgiveness does not mean forgive and forget. It does not right. mean I've got to have amnesia here so that I can be spiritually doing what God Forgiveness wants. Forgiveness does not mean that the person who sinned against us is justified. Or off the hook. Or off the hook. Right, right. I think people think that they, if I forgive you, then you just do it again. But but unforgiveness and holding judgments and bitternesses against someone doesn't prevent them from doing it again either. No. And if they do it again, Jesus said 70 times 7, that's 490 times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really unlimited. But yeah, the, the and key. Even even if mm-hmm. they do not repent, even if they do not ask for our forgiveness, that's right. We still must forgive. But how? But most of us are not that brave. We're not that confident in in God. Actually, we're not that trusting in God because we think if I let go of this thing, somehow God is going to forget about it. He's going to let it go, and then we have, um, you know, we have more crimes and injustice. This world is full of injustices right now and crimes and it was meant to be that way because satan runs it so jesus said you know offenses will come indeed offenses are going to be the, the order of the day aren't they yeah. and, and he's saying blesses he was not offended because of me but in in matthew 5 just to add to this what you're saying and this is the our father he says um and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think some of our greatest temptations are the the crimes that have been committed against us. And our only way out, if you're under the influence of criminal acts of witchcraft and accusation and injustice, the only way out for you really is to forgive those that you can identify as the perpetrators. And actually, they're just the humans, they're demons behind it to turn the crimes over to God, which is what forgiveness means, and let him judge it. But just to finish this, but deliver us from the evil one. He, the evil one is here to, to instigate, to stir up, to um, create perceptions in our minds and other people's minds that are false, that cause us to go into battle, conflict, um, bitterness. And Jesus was in conflict with these people, uh, the Jews, the Pharisees. Oh, they hated him. They hated him. He, they were jealous. They hated well, they were afraid, too, because they didn't want this new um, uh, uh, dispensation to be established. They wanted to hold their position. As the law keepers and the givers of the law, because they had high-powered positions of control. And that's what religion does. It gives high-powered positions of control to certain authorities that we submit to and believe that they have a, a better understanding of God than we do. They they have a better knowledge of the Scripture. We're not uh, you know, smart enough. And in most cases, what they do is they lead us totally astray. Well, they do, and they, they they take our money, they threaten us, they intimidate us, they cause all kinds of religious and spiritual abuse and control. And I think a lot of people have come out of that or are coming out of that now seeing that that is also a way Satan would hurt us. But he says in verse 14 of 614 of Matthew, he says, um, for if you... if for if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So now, it's interesting that do, Jesus didn't have any sins to be forgiven. Right, right. But it's interesting. Sometimes people who have a hard time forgiving, I'd like to ask him this question. Do you think you will ever need forgiveness from God yeah. at some point in your life? If you want forgiveness, if, give if, forgiveness. If you yep. think you might need that which we all will, mm-hmm. uh, you, then you better forgive. Otherwise, you're blocking your, God's own, forgi- your own forgiveness. Yeah. You're blocking, mm-hmm. you're putting a, a block in your own salvation. Yeah. So, so, But when you think of the enormity of this crime against Jesus, mm-hmm. now, God had planned this since before the foundation of the world. This was not an afterthought. This was not an accident. Oops, I messed up. I got killed. I got martyred. No, 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 no. This was ordained by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit since before the foundation of the world. Right. So this was happening, but it's still. So it was. It was the divine plan mm-hmm. from God's side, but it was the most uh, horrendous crime ever committed the, by the human race. Ever the the, the most rejection, the most of the serious, horrible one. crime 
ever committed by the human race on our side. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the deal. If, if Jesus can forgive people who have committed the most horrifying crime on earth, mm-hmm. who are we to hold? Uh, what we have to forgive from someone else is far less than well, that. We see that in Mark, Matthew 18. Remember the, mm-hmm. the parable Jesus told of the unforgiving servant? Mm-hmm. His master forgave him a huge debt. A debt. Mm-hmm. And after he was forgiven, what did he do? He went to some other guy, one of his fellow servants that owed him a really little, a little. small, small amount, and grabbed him by the throat and said, you pay me now or I'm going to throw you in jail. It's like, whoa, he did not, this get person, the lesson. he, he did not it. get the lesson. He did not understand or appreciate forgiveness. Well, you know what, may I say that I think of all of our trials and testings in this world, probably the injustices, the offenses, and the learning, learning to forgive is the greatest of all the lessons we must learn. Because, you know, we're, our nature, our divine nature is to re- be recoiled at injustices and to want to take matters into our own hands and get we get angry and we want to make things fair. But I tell you what, God never said one time in the Bible to make things fair. He just said make things right. And the way we make things right is to turn them over to the judge, the only judge who can make things right. I can't be the plaintiff and the judge in the same case if I've got something that's been committed against me, my only recourse is to give my burden to God. And that means I have to really trust him because I think a lot of people think I have to take matters into my own hands because God is not, God is not dependable. He's not going to cover it. (laughs) Yeah. He's not dependable. Well, in in reference to that um, story you were telling about the unjust servant in Matthew 18, 1835, it says, well, 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now let me say something about that real quick. We think, well, I don't feel like I'm forgiving him. I don't, my, I don't feel uh, sorry for him. I don't um, really feel it. There's a lot of things I do that you do, we do. We don't feel like doing it. Like, I don't feel like sometimes getting up in the morning. I don't feel like doing the dishes. I don't feel like, you know, taking the kids to school today or whatever. And you do it anyway. And it gets done because it's a matter of the will. And I believe this forgiveness is an act of obedience and an act of the will, rather whether you feel it or not, because the devil can mess with your feelings or your thoughts all day long and try to keep you from doing that which is right. And you so so you have to basically say, I I. It doesn't matter what I feel like. I choose by an act of my will to forgive because I tell you what, that burden that you may be carrying and the burden that may be making you sick right now and and operating as bitterness inside of you, which may be operating as a physical disease or an inflammation or an infection or a rash or a a heartburn, all of that stuff that goes on as as a physical manifestation is the result of swallowed anger. Anger is fire. It's a burning desire. It's a, it's, a, it's a zeal. It's a burning anger, whatever. And when you swallow that fire, it becomes bitterness. And bitterness you know, becomes rottenness in your bones. And it becomes jealousy. It, it, it just overburdens your whole life. Your whole life is swallowed up with hatred and, and getting even. God, like I said, never said to make things fair. There's no way to make things fair down here till the righteous judge comes back. And I can't wait for that day, which is fast approaching. And we we are to make things right. That means I'm going to again be righteous in God's sight and love rather than love my enemy like Jesus did. Well, forgiveness. The goal of forgiveness, someone said, is reconciliation. In other words, if someone has sinned against me, another person has sinned against me, I forgive them. The goal of that, God's desire for that, that we would be reconciled. To mm-hmm. each other. Well, that's what Jesus did, didn't it? Right. His goal was reconciliation. However, not everyone that we forgive is going to be reconciled with us. But I think he had to make that statement verbally and out loud as a declaration before Satan because the, and the people who were cursing him. Because, yes. Because otherwise Satan could have always claimed that Jesus really in his heart did not forgive them. So it's almost, a very, it's almost vital that we make a verbal declaration of I forgive you. I release you from my judgment. Um, Whether they have asked for forgiveness or not, 
and even if they continue in their mm-hmm. sin and, and viciousness against us, forgiving them, forgiving them, forgiving them well, is geez. important. Even though, mm-hmm. I, again, I might not be re- reconciled with everybody that I forgive, mm-hmm. but it would be nice if that would happen. But, but my end of it is mm-hmm. that, I, that I forgive, and as much as lies within me, I can live with peace with all men, but that's not always possible. Well, men aren't peaceable these days because the devil is stirring us up. But at the same time, Jesus came down here <clears throat> to give us uh, the, the revelation of the Father, the kingdom of God, to establish grace, salvation, to finish the work of the law, which was to fulfill it, to um, die, to shed his blood, because the requirements of the law were the soul that sins shall die. And because no one yet had been found qualified to die, God had to prepare from the very beginning and keep just a tiny portion of our human race DNA clean and human so that there could be a human brought forth that would be eligible to die. And yet he had to be um, from, you know, outside of this, the jurisdiction of the evil one so that he could uh, be, have freedom to die. But Jesus came down here very clear in his mission, very giving. Now, he didn't. He wasn't a, a pushover. He wasn't a pansy. He called a spade a spade. He called the, the Pharisees, you're of your, your father, the devil. He wasn't afraid to say what he needed to say, but at the same time, he had to show that he forgave them. He knew this in the beginning. He knew this from the beginning, that the most of the people would be totally led away by the evil one, deceived, misled, and be his crucifiers, they would be the ones that the mob would stir up to, to yell, crucify, crucify. Well, another thing, too, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, some of the people knew what they were doing. Jude, Judas knew he was betraying a friend. Pilate knew he was condemning an innocent man. So, But one of the things that I believe that they, they did not understand the enormity of oh. their crime. They did not understand that they were crucifying the, the Son of God. Well, whether whether we understand the enormity of our sin or not, mm-mm. whether it's willful or basically ignorant, we still are at the place where we do not comprehend the enormity of sin, or and we do not comprehend the uh, the holiness and and the grace and the well, mercy of God. I I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I don't see Judas or Pilate as major evil people in this whole drama. I see them as caught, caught, caught in, in it. Caught yeah, in it. yeah, they were caught in it. They were they were necessary in the drama. I don't think Pilate ever felt good about what he did. Oh, Obviously not. He, 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 no, he was so, just but, he was but yielding his deal, to pressure. He wasn't pressure. ignorant. He he asked Jesus, "What what about the truth? Where's the truth? Who's the truth? What's the truth?" And Jesus basically said. Standing in front of you. Yeah, basically that's the truth. And Pilate did not deny that. Pilate said he is an innocent man. But Pilate's problem was fear. His his was fear, fear of Caesar, fear of his position, fear for his own life. Because in those days, if you stepped outside the line even a little bit, you were dead. Caesar would just have somebody hack your, your, you know, stab you, hack your heart out, whatever. I mean, so it was fear that... And saving his own neck, so to speak. And I don't ever know what happened to Pilate after all this was said and done. Yeah, but well, but the thing is, I think, so Jesus, he wasn't mad at them. He knew that they were going right. to, somebody was, was going to have to do this. Somebody was going to have to be the soldier right. that put the spear in his side. He was going to be, he has prophesied. He says, uh, he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to be delivered in the hands of evil men. I don't the son think of man is going to be delivered in the hands of They were the greater criminals. Men. I think the greater criminals were the, the evil hateful religious Pharisees, the, 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 the priests, the Sadducees, mm-hmm. who vehemently, vehemently opposed Jesus Christ, his grace, his gospel of love and forgiveness. Right. They vehemently hated. They, they, Pilate had nothing, no hatred of Jesus. Uh, Judas was, uh, I still don't know about Judas, what his deal was. I, I think he was just a very mixed up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he obviously played the part that he had to play. And and Peter almost was taken out with that same spirit mm-hmm. of, of betrayal and denial. But the thing is, Jesus was not mad at any of these people. He was not mad. He he was greater than that. He was bigger than that. He saw more 
than just what we're looking at right now. And I think with your own crimes and the people committing crimes against you, don't get pigeonholed into just seeing it right now from your little your little perspective because you're not looking at the bigger picture. So you're part of that. When people, you know, Jesus said, blessed are you when people uh, persecute you, say mm-hmm. all men of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Mm-hmm. So this is part of God's preparation of us. The attack, right. the criticism, it's part of... Uh, it's part of the testing of us too, the honey. Testing because of us, the character building of us, just really help. That's part of the crucible God uses to conform us into the image of His Son. But all of the crucible, all of the testing is for one thing: to basically reduce us down to, do Jesus. you trust God? Do you trust God? Do you and, trust God? And, and forming us. Well, to do be you like believe Jesus. God? Do you believe? Because really, this dispensation is based on a promise. It's not based on the law. It's not based on works. It's not based on you being good or not being good enough. This this dispensation is based on the promise that God gave to Abraham. If you believe me, this is what I will give you. Now, in the in the in the, uh, in the in, with Abraham, he is still receiving the promise. It's not. It wasn't done and finished and completed in his lifetime. He never saw the completion of it in his lifetime. But he went on to heaven, knowing, knowing, not hoping, not wow, did I blow it. But knowing that God would finish what he began, and here's the going back to this very serious verse, which I know people need to understand, that if you want forgiveness, you're going to have to forgive. It says, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, this is red letters, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is the bottom line. This is it. If you think you're going to, like you said earlier, if we think we're going to need forgiveness, which we are, we are in no position to judge another person. We're, and, you know, again, our human thinking says, well, you know, if I'm nice to them, if I forgive them, they'll just they'll never learn their lesson. They'll keep going. But I think in Jesus's father, forgive them. He had great pity, great compassion, great mercy upon those who were uh, so swept up with the the evil torrents of Satan to crucify him. And I my view on this, too, is that. This was not a blanket prayer where everybody who was involved in the crucifixion process was going to be forgiven. No, well, if was, they received it, here's the other it, side of that. If yep. you if you are forgiven, you also have to receive forgiveness. Yes. <clears throat> and I think that some of them came into the place, I'm too bad, I'll never be good enough, I, I'll never be saved, God can't love me, uh, I'm beyond forgiveness. And I think... That is another uh, obstacle or temptation, uh, a serious threat to our uh, being with Jesus forever and ever, is to receive that grace and forgiveness, to believe that it was, you know, we take, the devil says, it's your fault, you made the choice, you did the deed, you, you, it's, you're, you're responsible, now you're going to have to make amends, you're going to have to put it back, you're going to have to pay for it, and some of us are looking at our lives and saying, there's no way. I can put it back or make amends. Right. Here, here's the thing: is what, what the the only you know there's a some people worry about have I committed the unpardonable sin? Well, the unpardonable sin basically is if you persistently refuse to reject you know to accept to accept Jesus Christ, you reject Him. That really is the only unpardonable sin, because here He is. But that's the, not what the devil makes us think. Right. But the. The crime, the greatest crime in the history of mankind, which was in being involved in the, the murder from our end, it was murder. Mm-hmm. From the, God's end, it was he was slain from oh, the foundation of the world. Yeah. But if, if the murder of the Son of God was a forgivable sin, or mm-hmm. being involved in the murder of the Son of God was a forgivable sin, then... Are there any sins that cannot be forgiven? Only the ones that we refuse to ask for forgiveness that's for. That's right. That's right. And it's <clears throat> interesting too. It's like uh, the centurion. You remember the centurion that was directly involved with the crucifixion. He observed Jesus in some of the movies, like the Passion of the Christ, and uh, I think we saw another one recently where the the centurion and they're pretty much in all of these movies that you see about it. But the centurion. 
believes. He observes Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, he believes. He says, surely this was a righteous man. And, and surely, in another place, mm-hmm. I think it says he is the son of, he is the son of God. And so... Um, well, he got converted that day. He he came to read the revelation of faith that day, and exactly. he was not afraid to admit it. And I I believe this was where this is where fear binds us up. We're afraid to make the declaration. We're, we're afraid to surrender to the truth because we've never known the truth before. And, and Jesus was praying for people. I I believe too that he was praying specifically for people. In John seventeen nine, he says, "I don't pray for the world." Mm-hmm. But I pray for those who are going to be part of my kingdom. That's essentially what he was saying. Yeah. Okay. Those that will believe. Those that have been ordained. So to by believe. faith he knew he was going to he have a kingdom. Right. He does not pray for the world. Can Can you just find that, honey? John seventeen nine. Okay. And uh, just read that so we have that clearly. But see the the prayers the prayers and the sayings of Jesus on the cross really are kind of a continuation. Of, of his high priestly prayer, as it's known, mm-hmm. yeah, from John 17, verse 9. I believe that's mm-hmm. the verse. Would you read that? I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for, tho- for those whom you have given me. For those whom you have given for me. For they are yours. And so some of those that, that God has given Jesus don't know they've been given to God by Jesus yet. They're <laughs> given to Jesus by God they're, yet. They're, they're, yeah. they're pre pre Christians, so to speak. Well, we're all pre Christians at some point, but we're also called from the foundation of the world. Right. And Jesus right. said, you know, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and called you. That's John fifteen, I think it's six or something. And like it's that. interesting how this prayer was answered. Okay. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Edwin Lutzer who is the pastor, been a longtime pastor at the Moody Church in Chicago. He wrote a wonderful book called The Cries from the Cross. And in this book, he, I, I just wanted to read that uh, about how this prayer of Jesus was answered. And, and, and it's on the, when uh, Peter is preaching, okay, in Acts chapter 3. And this is what... Uh, Lutzer writes, surprisingly, Peter thought they were ignorant to, to the full extent of their guilt, okay, for being involved in the crucifixion of Christ, okay? And he said, listen to him preach. Here's what Peter says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders in Acts chapter 3, verse 15 and 17. As a result of his sermon, some 2,000 people accepted Jesus as Messiah. We must add this number to the 3,000 who responded to the message on the day of Pentecost to account for a total that swelled to some 5,000. We also read that a great number of temple priests confessed Jesus as Lord in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. All this in answer to Jesus' prayer. So you're talking here, what we have recorded in the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. right away almost like 5,000, and then many of the temple priests. This was part of the answer, a major part of the answer for Jesus' prayer, to Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them. And that prayer of Jesus extends, has extended all through history to us. Mm Mm-hmm. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, you know, here's part of the deal. These are the first 5,000 that pretty much began to follow Jesus. But the thing is, when you accept Jesus, you also die. You die on the cross. You die to the offenses. You die to your own life. You die to your your plotted out, planned out life, dreams, expectations. You are no longer your own. You're dead. When we die, Romans chapter 6 talks about, we were dead with him. We were, you know, we died with him that day on the cross. We died to this world, this life. And therefore, we are now resurrected, brought forth into newness of life. And that's why we're calling, when you get saved, it's called born again. You're born a second time. This time you're born as um, full authorized uh, members of the kingdom of God and um, of his family. But I think a lot of people don't understand. They're still trying to hang on to their old life. 
and and somehow make progress in their new life, but they do it very burdensomely through good works and religious expectations and whatnot. So when you are like Peter here, you're released from the fear of death. You know, you can't live until you're released from the fear of death. And believe you me, people, you can't love until you're released from the fear of death. And we need to love these days and we need to be no more afraid of death because death is all around us. The death, the persecution, the annihilation, the threats, uh, all the things that are going and stirring in the world right now, all these things with the nations of the world, you know, creating their uh, weapons of annihilation and uh, destruction, uh, nuclear bombs, uh, EMFs, all of these things that uh, can annihilate us, destroy us, guns, persecution, threats, terrorism. You, 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 you and I belong to God. We belong to the kingdom of God. This place, this time is short in duration, but he has called us to be brave. And the only way we can be brave is to be unafraid. And the only way you can be unafraid is to know that you're already dead. And then you live as unto God. And Jesus knew that his earthly life was now just about finished. He was at the very last moments, hours of his earthly life. And he was now going to continue on this earth for another 40 days, but only as a spiritual glorified being. As a risen, as a risen man, as a risen Savior. And he had to do that to prove that he wasn't just snatched away, his body wasn't just confiscated, and, and then they made up you know, uh, an imitation Jesus and floated him around for a while to get people to still believe a lie or something. He had to show that this was a genuine death and resurrection, so that's why he had to stay, but... He, he, the first order of business was is forgiveness. If you don't forgive, you cannot live. First Peter chapter two verses twenty one through twenty three. For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So this is what forgiveness is, is you commit of yourself, you commit right. the crime. Mm-hmm. And here, here again, we, in our minds, we think the crimes against us are so enormous, and that's why we're reluctant and we feel we cannot forgive. Mm-hmm. But listen, by the grace of God, we are able to forgive. If Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. if if the greatest crime in the history of mankind, and we think of all these crimes, you know, listen to the news every day. There's some of the crimes, crimes, beheadings, abuse, some of the most vile, vile, vile things that you can imagine yeah. that have, are happening to people. And there's no way other than through the grace and the Spirit of God that you're able to forgive someone for those crimes. And God will take care of those things. I think, though, honey... It's hard hard to say, Lord, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You know, uh, when are these ISIS guys going to get what's coming to them? It's like they seem to perpetuate, perpetuate, perpetuate. Mm -hmm. But their time will come. Our role is is to forgive uh, those that are believers that are enduring the most intense physical uh, persecution attack are the ones that say, don't keep us from this. Help us to be faithful to the Lord and to forgive. That's how you pray for us in the midst of all this Well, and, and as we see Jesus dying on the cross, we also have to see the strength that God the Father gave him, the, the angel that even came in the garden and strengthened him so that he didn't become bitter. I mean, this was also part of his test, to become bitter against his persecutors. He could have done that very easily. I mean, at this point, bitterness would say, what, this is how it ends, God? After all, I've dedicated my whole life to you. I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross. I've followed your will. I've sought your will. I resisted temptation. And this is it. This is what I get rewarded. This is the bitterness that a lot of people don't realize is a temptation. <clears throat> so bitterness is a temptation to become angry with God for, for thinking that God is behind your your trouble, your trial, this injustice, that God is 
to blame. And the other part is I, I just see it so much in people who are even, you know, daily absorbed in watching the news and the calamities and the trials and the horrible things. They're either going to judge God. Where's God? Why is God letting all this happen? If God is so good. So God is being judged every day in the hearts of men for the things that men have done under the influence of Satan. And Satan never gets well, where, you know, you know, I heard yesterday that the most frequently used swear word in the movies is the name of Jesus Christ. They don't say damn Confucius or blank Buddha or, you know, or even the F words. They're now being overridden by the use, the profanity of the use of the curse. Jesus Christ, his name is being used as a way to exclaim, proclaim curses, uh, contempt. Is so obviously Jesus is not is not in a class with Buddha and Confucius and Zeus. Have you ever said damn Zeus? I mean, this is off the subject, but I mean, it's just kind of like I thought of this way. Really wild. You don't hear anybody saying things like that. But but the very fact that Jesus is still to this day hanging on that cross in the hearts of some people, and they can't get past the hatred. So Jesus could have been bitter. And the other thing that we are tempted, we're tempted like him. In all points, he was tempted like us. So we are tempted to become angry. And I, I really see a lot of uh, good, uh, God, God-given energy to our lives, a good a lot, amount of time, being irritations, uh, you know, offenses, um, stealing our peace, being angry. And you know what? There is not much that we can do for this situation except pray to God for mercy. For us, for our families, for those who are involved at the very crisis points where they are, the weapons are going to be built. The, the Battle of Armageddon is set. There, It is on God's calendar. It is going to happen. They're going to have the most incredible weapons. They're going to try to annihilate everybody and everything. And isn't it amazing that this little sliver of a country, Israel, is the target of, of all the world's hatred? It's just it's just like the word Jesus Christ, the name Jesus. How are these two things? How is Jesus the most hated and Israel the most hated? If indeed it isn't for the fact that this world is owned, all the land and property is owned by Satan, except for that little sliver of land, which he is absolutely uh, fixated on that he has to have. And so the place of Jesus' death even is contested. The Calvary, the cross, Golgotha, all of these things. But at some point soon, very soon, they thought soon back 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ is going to come back to reclaim the whole earth. And yes, and, and, and in, in the days of Jesus, basically, throughout human history, the study of human history, there are vile people that have been in leadership. Fools. Fools, <laughs> treacherous, vile. The most vile of men, violent, actually. Violent. Deceitful, murderous, murderous, lying. Basically, and that <laughs> continues. It's been right, really, right from the beginning. Because there they're have, the ones promoted by Satan to run his there his have shop. Been, there have been some rare exceptions of of good and godly leaders that you read about in the Scripture, and that you can observe throughout history. But we have, you know, in one place in uh, the Scriptures that God raises up the vilest of people. He allows the vilest of men, mm-hmm. the lowest of men, to, to be rule. leaders. Mm-hmm. So, so we're not necessarily in this world. We cannot depend on that. We're going to have uh, in this uh, election coming up that uh, 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 Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton will not save us. We're, we're not. We're, we're not. That's not going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen politically. It does not mean mm-hmm. that we should not speak out on issues mm-hmm. and be involved in things as God leads us. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the Jesus is the Savior. These other people certainly are not. Well, everything in our life is going to reduce down to one of two kingdoms. And it's either going to be fear or love. It's either going to be fear or trust in God. And not trust in yourself. This this world as we know it will not prevail. Will not. Uh, it's not going to last a whole lot longer. But what we do know is that God is for us. God already understands the huge spiritual battle that we're all swallowed up in. And the the problem is, so many times you and I are tempted to 
we're tempted and we don't know we're tempted. We're tempted to go with appearances, go with what it looks like. And Jesus says in every case when you do that, you make wrong conclusions, draw wrong conclusions. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to, you know, sometimes God had people do stuff that was totally stupid looking. It looked like ridiculous. It looked like they were totally out of the will of God. When God told Abraham to kill his son, that looked totally not like God. It looked like Abraham is insane. He's lost his mind. When God told Ezekiel to lay on his side for X number of days, 40 days, and then 300 days on the other side, and and put his hand in a pile of dung. Is that God? How can that be God? You cannot, and and we cannot look at the way things, we think things should look, and say, oh, that's God or that's not God. We have got to listen. You know, the good thing, Jerry, is we have got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but most of us still are not letting him really run the show. We're still not walking in the Spirit. We're walking in our own reasoning. Reasoning is from hell. You know, reasonable men, reasoning as what it looked like on Calvary, looking at appearances, this man was a fool. He had been found out. He had been crucified for, you know, misleading the people, starting riots, creating religious unrest. He deserved to die. That's what it looked like from all practical purposes in the, in the, in the human reasoning, and that's not what it was at all. And one of the things, too, that I think we do not understand as human beings is we do not understand that the, the seriousness of, of, of sin, that, that sin, and there's the lies behind the sin. We believe the lies that leads us to sin. But the seriousness of that is emphasized by Calvary. If If you think God should just, oh, God just understands I mean, he understands me, and he should just lighten up on this sin stuff. Well, he can't lighten up. He's holy. He's God. His justice and his mercy were being were met together. Mm-hmm. His grace, justice, and mercy. His justice in that the proper full penalty was being leveled against sin in the person in the body of Jesus on the cross. At the same time the mercy of God was flowing out to people. So so mercy triumphs over judgment mm-hmm. because the price has been paid, and mm-hmm. we're jumping ahead here, but the price that was being paid in full for our sin, the thing is every sin is not just a sin against another human being. It's a sin preeminently against God. And well, so this is why we need his, against us his too. forgiveness. Yeah, it's a sin well, against, in that mercy, it's sin against us, it's a sin against others, but it's a sin against God. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he said, I, against you and against you only have I sinned. Right. Sure, he did sin against her, but he recognized the main crime mm-hmm. was against God, and he cried out for forgiveness, he cried out in repentance, and he received that. Well, you know, the thing is what you're saying about justice and mercy God's justice required a judgment here because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That was already prescribed. That was part of the universal demand. That was a reciprocity. The eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, death for death. And so God had to demand that that death penalty. But when his justice as the judge on the bench sat there and said the penalty is death, then he stepped off the bench and stepped into the place of the of the petitioner and took the uh, the uh, the crime upon himself and paid for it himself. So it, it's not like God is just watching us squirm here in the midst of this mess and has abandoned us. It's like God paid for the sin himself because it was a debt we could not pay. It was too too expensive. It, we, and we couldn't pay it because we weren't even eligible to pay it because we were already slaves of the devil. And, and if uh, there's... <laughs> There's an old chorus that goes something like one of the lines from it is if that isn't love, this is this is this is the love of God. So if anybody thinks that God really doesn't love them, see Satan doesn't want people to see the cross. He doesn't want to see well, the the Savior, the, yeah. the love, the well, grace that was shown through Jesus. Well, the, the God cross. of this world, like you're saying, the God of this world has blinded the eyes. And if you're listening today. And you don't get this, or you're just kind of trying to get this, and it doesn't quite sink in. And you're still being blinded. Your eyes are blinded. The eyes of your heart are being blinded by the God of this world and reasoning, religion, reality, and all those things that are just whatever. And sin, by the way, the definition really of sin and the reason God hates sin is because sin, what it does, 
it's the final outcome of believing a lie. But what it does is it separates us from God. And that's what God hates because God is love. God doesn't want his children separated from him. And so when, when you feel bad and guilty and Satan drives that guilt into your mind and heart and makes you feel like you deserve punishment, penalty, that you, then he makes it look like God is the one mad at you. God is sad for you. The devil is mad at you. The devil hates you and the devil laughs at you because you were stupid enough to take his advice. We are stupid enough to take his solution to the problem and then he can slap on us the results of sin. And when he does that, it separates us from God. And then not only that, but now he can also use the, the final blow to say that, yep, God's mad at you because you broke his law. And so now you're going to have to crawl your way back to God through penance or through religion. This is perverted. This is twisted. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not the heart of God. And it is time, people, you stop believing those lies. Because if you keep believing the devil's version of God's gospel, if you keep believing that it's all about works, good works, and making God not mad at you and judging God, you're actually judging God when you, when, you, when you say, where is justice? Where is God? I can't trust God. Why is God doing You're judging God. And you know what's really happening with the judgments on this world right now? God is not judging this world. We're judging. We're being judged for the things we've chosen to do under the counsel of the evil one who is judging us. The devil is judging us. And through his contempt, through his hatred, he hates human beings to the point where he's trying to annihilate us. And you know what? We are so foolish that we have allowed Satan to turn us against ourselves. We fight humans. The Bible says the battle is not against flesh and blood. But Satan is, is, is vindictive because here's the deal. When God declared that the Nephilim would kill themselves, the giants, the watchers, their parents would watch. And these Nephilim were the giants of the day pre-flood days. God says, you will kill yourselves. 500 years you're going to live. That's it. And they did. They killed themselves and the watchers, their parents, the fallen angels had to watch. And now vindication says, now the devil says, now God, you're going to watch while I have your children kill each other in front of you. And that is, that's reciprocity. And so you have to understand, people, we are in this war that has gone on for eons and ages before we even had generations, before time even was. This war had already begun in the heavens and we're not yet finished but we're soon to culminate here so remember peace the fruit jesus said by their fruits you shall know them your mind in peace that you can walk in the wisdom and counsel and uh, and the spirit of god be led by god this is not a time to be foolish this is not a time to panic this is not a time to lose it this is a time to dig in and cry out to god beseech come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy in the time of trouble this is the day to do that and the goal the goal, as I said earlier, of forgiveness is reconciliation. Why did God forgive? Because he wants us to. It's All of this is because from there's been the alienation, the separation between us and God in relationship. And so there's, once there is forgiveness, God forgives us. We forgive others. There's a reconciliation that we need primarily with God. Even if sometimes we love to have it with everybody, every other person, but it's not always possible. But it's always possible to have reconciliation, the forgiveness and the reconciliation with of God. God. Amen. And so and we, and we close with this today. It's like, um, now all things are of God who has, this is Second Corinthians 5.18. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That, that is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not counting those sins against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And Father, we just thank you for this awesome, holy, precious demonstration of your love to us and forgiving us, Lord, and all those who participated physically in this, your death and resurrection, or death, I should say that you could bring forth resurrection. So thank you, Father God. And I pray for each one listening today, those who will listen in the coming days, 
that you encourage our hearts to focus truly on what is really meaningful because we are yet your work, your instruments of righteousness and reconciliation upon this earth. You, the, you, you have chosen us. You've chosen us to be your instruments of reconciliation. You know, the foolish things of the world, you've chosen to stop the advances of Satan and the kingdom of darkness because you are God. And Lord, we pray that you'd encourage each one today, that you'd remove obstacles of bitterness and unforgiveness, that you give us eyes to see and that the revelation of your heart would be would enlighten our hearts, that you'd set us free from the strongholds of bitterness, anger, uh, unforgiveness, judgment, offense, that you'd release us from these things, Father, for your glory, or we will not be able to stand in your peace, in your power, in your love, or in your spirit. So, Father God, we ask these things for Jesus' sake, and because Jesus asked for them, and may you answer our prayers together. In Jesus Christ's precious name, Lord God, we ask these things. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. I have an emergency. What is your location? for yourself.